Well, good morning. If you are a guest with us, my name is J.R. Quigley. I'm the senior leader here at Mount Helena, and I'll be sharing the message with you uh, this morning. Uh, how many fishing enthusiasts do I have? Who booed? You're out of here. Okay, how many of you? That was my own child, yes. How many of you actually catch fish when you go fishing? Oh, good. I'll, I'll, have, yeah, I'll, I'll have you lay, we'll have a prayer session afterwards. You can lay hands on me and help me out, okay? Give me some of that anointing. Well, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are all fishermen, according to the scripture. And I want to begin today by reading you a story out of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The verses will be on the screen. You can follow along with me. On one occasion, while Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the crowd pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into the boat that belong, belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. And sitting down, he taught the people from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night without catching anything. But, it's probably what it sounded like, but, because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Do not be afraid, Jesus said to Simon. From now on, you will catch men. And when, he had, and when they had brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that the truth and the power of your scripture would be tilling up the soil of our hearts and planting seeds of life-giving things into us. That as we think about your word, as we talk about it today, that the motivation and the power of your spirit would be at work in each heart and mind. God, help us to understand our role on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you go back in time and you think about the lives of the original disciples. This is when Jesus called James and John and Peter and this miraculous catch of fish, and they're so astounded they become his disciples. They become followers of him. They're learning from him. They're his disciples. He's the teacher. He's doing the teaching. They are the learners, and they are the forerunners of you and I. Did you know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ today? If you've put your life into his hands, if you're walking in his ways and learning from him, learning from his word, learning from his teaching. You are a disciple of Christ. Sometimes when we read those words, we think, well, disciples were just those 12 apostles in the old days. But no, everyone who is learning and walking with Jesus are his disciples. 
And so when we look at the examples that we see from the original disciples, we draw information and insight and encouragement and direction and inspiration from the original disciples. Because here that process has been going on for 2,000 years. Think about that. This profound moment in history sparked a movement that still continues today, and there are still disciples of Christ being made on the earth today, you and I. And not only that, it's our job to make disciples. They were just average guys. They had average jobs. They weren't the outstanding people in their society, like most of us. Just regular people with regular lives. And yet God has a plan to teach and disciple us and grow us into people that accomplish his mission on the earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We talk about this as the Great Commission very frequently around here. Why this is the vision of the church. Of all churches, for all time, this is the ultimate vision. Jesus left, he ascended into heaven, and he gave us a mission. It's why part of our mission statement is living the mission. What is the mission? That we would make disciples. That we would make followers of Christ. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you will be my witnesses. We're called to be his witnesses. I talked about this with you two weeks ago when I preached. By the way, who was here last week to hear Rebecca Harris speak? Come on, that was awesome, wasn't it? Well done, Rebecca. That was great. Really appreciate that. We are called to be the witnesses of Christ on the earth. That's our job. That's our mission. And so these disciples started out as regular people with regular lives, and all of a sudden they met Jesus, and they began to be discipled. And for for those years that they walked with Jesus, they're learning and they're witnessing these things, and then he leaves, and and now they're going to be the disciple makers. And that's your and I's journey in many ways. We meet Jesus, and we begin to learn about him and connect in relationship with him, and as we grow, pretty soon we're influencing other people to be disciples of Christ themselves. That's our mission. That's every church's mission. It's the mission Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended, make disciples in all nations. And here we are today carrying out that mission. But I wonder if we realize how important each and every individual is in that process of making disciples. How many of you know what this is? How many of you want me to cast this into the audience and see who I can hit? I can't quite do that. Well, I'm one guy with a fishing rod here, and I can cast my rod out there to the, into the water and try and catch a fish, but I'm only really going to catch one fish. I can go fishing all day with this rod and, well, in my case, not eat very much that night, but some of you are pretty good with this fishing rod. You can, you can catch lots of fish in a day. But really, this isn't the most efficient way to catch fish. There are better ways, and I'm not talking about dynamite. Although it is effective, yes. What is this? A net. Lower down your nets for a catch. I will make you fishers of men. And there's lots of illustrations and ideas we can draw from this story, but what I want to focus on today is that you and I are the net. We're passing through the waters of life and we're intersecting with other people's lives with this gospel. 
with this good news. And we're all connected. Imagine yourself as this one section of this net right here. Here's you. And you're connected in relationship to me and you're connected in relationship to the person that's next to you. And together we go through life and we fish for mankind. We're, we're looking for those who will receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nets aren't even really very often legal to fish with. I don't know if they're legal anywhere in Montana. Why? Because you catch so many fish with them. Now, I don't have much of a net here, do I? It's kind of small. Think about it. You and I are the net that God, we're, we're God's plan. Did you know that, that the church is God's plan for the world? That you are the light of the world? That you are a city on a hill? The church is the plan. And we can, we can be one individual out there just fishing with our one rod, or we can all dive in together and be a net and catch lots of fish. I think God wants lots of fish. So much so, in this case, it's sinking the boat. It's such an abundant haul. When Jesus gives instruction, he brings fruitfulness. It's very exciting, the idea, in my mind, of being the net, getting caught up in this vision, caught up in this mission. If we're all connected and working together, it reminds me of the idea of being the body of Christ, that one is a hand and one is a foot. Each one of us has a part to play in this net. Each one of you has a place to belong. But what happens when someone's missing? What happens when someone's not caught up in the mission anymore? Delusioned with life and its challenges. Walking away from from the church and from faith in Christ. We talked a couple weeks ago. I shared some statistics with you. One of them being that church attendance is down almost 30% in one year in the United States. Not Not in 2020. 2021 to 2022. Even with COVID fading away, attendance in the church has dropped by 30%, according to one study. Church has lost value in the minds of the people. It's not held in any high regard. But the church is God's plan A. This net, this body of believers connected in relationship is God's plan for the world. Johnny, would you come up here for a second? Just hop on up here. Hold this for me. Sorry, don't mean to embarrass you. I'm going to pull it tight. You pull it tight with me. What happens when someone goes away? Someone's missing. Uh Uh-oh, where'd they go? They're not here anymore. They're not activated. They're gone. Or maybe we're missing somebody we still need to find to fit. How's this for fishing? This don't work, especially with the little trout in my creek. (laughs) Go ahead. Thanks, buddy. I need you. We need you. We need you to find where you fit in the kingdom of God in this net because I think God wants us to catch some fish in the city of Helena. I think God wants to motivate us for this mission. There's more. There's more disciples. I have a friend of mine in South Africa. He asked me this question a couple weeks ago. He goes, what drives you? What drives you? And I've been thinking about it, and one of the key phrases that keeps coming to my mind is, there's more. There's more people. There's more experiences. There's more adventures. There's more of the power of God. There's more for us. This is a little net, and a little net catches a few fish, and that's good. I want a bigger net. 
I want to make a bigger impact. I want to reach more people. I want to see more people activated in their discipleship. Think about those disciples, those first disciples of Christ. They started out as fishermen who didn't, they weren't educated. They didn't have a relationship with Christ. He called them and he took them on a journey. And by the time Jesus left, he gave them the authority. He gave them the direction. He'd been instructing them. He activated them in the mission. God wants to activate you in his mission to be a part of his church. This is the church. If I, if I took the real church and I held it up like a fishing net, what would it look like? Maybe Swiss cheese. Why? Because we've, in some ways, if I can just make sort of a constructively critical observation, the church has lost its value in many people's minds. It's a hobby. We attend twice a year, once a month. I have other priorities. But that's not the Christian life. Can I say that out loud? Is that okay? If you're convicted, I'm sorry, not sorry. This is life. Eventually, all this will be gone. It won't matter if your team won the Super Bowl. It won't matter if your kid played in the NFL. It won't matter if you made a billion dollars. None of it will matter. The day is coming where the kingdom is what's going to matter. And we have to ask ourselves, what, what did I do? What part did I play? Did I find my role in that net? I want to talk about several angles on this. You know, this is, when you're putting a net together, you know, one of the Bible verses in that story, when Peter and John were called, it said they were mending their nets. You know, I, I'm sure they get holes in their net and it needs to be mended. Each one of these knots in here, you know, imagine that you're just one little square in here. One little square can only do so much. But every one of these knots in the net is a relationship you have, a connection. We're called to be a body. And sometimes the nets need mended. Our relationships need healing. Or we need to get into relationship with others in order to live that mission. I want to catch people up in this mission. You say, God, okay, here we are, Mount Helena Community Church. God, fill our net. Fill our net even to the point where it's about to break. You know what I feel like God's saying? Get a bigger net. You know, the Bible teaches us that those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with more. That God brings abundance. And I think that if we start wrestling with how can we, how can we be more of who God has called us to be? Or many of us that have been on the sidelines, how do I get activated again? How do I get involved to be a part of that? Because I think God is calling us to build a bigger net. Johnny, throw me that net, would you? Here's a net. What do you think? You like this net better? You catch more fish with this net? Guess what it takes to build a bigger net? More connection, more relationships, more activated disciples in the body of Christ. More people who are willing to tackle their mission. More people that are willing to pursue God and go, God, I want more. I want more fish in the net. Can I just let you into a little thought in my mind? This is maybe going to be a little bit of a stretch for some of you. But I, I'm reluctant to share it because here's the thing. I hate over-promising and under-delivering. You know what I mean? You start to talk big and then can't deliver. But I'll tell you something that I believe, and it was sown into my mind from the leaders before me. You know, we got, I think, maybe over at Helena First right now, I don't know how many people they have. I think they've broken the thousand mark. Some of you might know that. They're pretty well there. 
But historically in Helena, that doesn't happen with the Protestant churches. Good job, Helena first. Big net, reaching a lot of people, activating a lot of people. We ought to be so proud of those guys and happy for them. But you know what I think? There ought to be five churches of 1,000 people in this community. Come on, we got like 70,000 people within our reach. How do we only have one church of 1,000 people? Come on. There's more. There's more. Is it okay that I can dream that big? Is that all right with you? Is it okay if we can look around the room right here and go, hey, here's the future leadership team of a much, much bigger net. Whoa. Wow, that's big thinking. Let's think bigger. I want to catch some fish. Why? Why do we want to catch fish? Because we like to eat fish? No, I don't like to eat fish. I want to see transformed lives. That's what it's about, right? It's about transformation. People get a little stiff about numbers and stuff, but I tell you what, God loves fruitfulness, and God is fruitful, and he charged us, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth and rule over it. We have the prerogative to grow and to push and to think wisely and strategically about how we're making disciples. Are we living that mission? Are you living that mission? I wish I had all the answers about how to do that. I wish I could activate every one of you in this room to your fullest potential. I do want to figure out how to do that. That's why we're always wrestling with systems and processes and programs and small groups. And how do we, how do, we do this and how do we do that? Why? Because we want to activate more fishermen. We want to make a bigger net. We want to catch more people. I want to see more salvations. I want to see people given, I don't want, I, you know, it's great if you've, if you've come from another church or another community and you've joined us, great. I appreciate that, but I want to grow in salvations. People who are giving their lives to Christ. And that takes all of us to do that. You know, when you, every one of us has a part to play that. Some of us catch them, some of us clean them, some of us cook them. No, we don't want to say that. This is where the analogy breaks down. We, we all have a part to play, and we're all going to see. I think sometimes we think about discipleship. That's really what we're talking about. What's discipleship? Making disciples. And we think that, well, that's a class you go through, or that's a, a Bible study one-on-one with somebody. It's all of it. Discipleship is life together. That's really what it takes to make a disciple, is doing life together. It's teaching. It's mentoring. It's experiences. It's adventures. It's time. It's one-on-one. It's a group. It takes all of us. So I think sometimes when we think of discipleship, it's like, I don't know how to disciple somebody, so I'm not going to get involved. But maybe you just have one part to play. Maybe you're great at meeting a new person. Maybe you're great at teaching. Maybe you're great at taking people on adventures. Maybe you're good at missions. Maybe you're good at whatever. Fill in the blank. We're called to make disciples, and every one of us has a part to play in that process. Think about it. Think Think what we can do in this community, even now with what we have we got a great group here with great potential, more salvations. There are other things that we could have an impact in the community by, by transforming lives, by bringing the gospel. See, it takes heart change. There's lots of things we can do to make things better logistically, but it's heart change that's really going to change a community. You can implement all the policies you want. It doesn't change the human heart. What changes the human heart is the gospel. Do we want to see a decrease in mental illness and suicide in Helena? Amen. Come on. We are the church. We're the light for the world, a city on a hill. We have hope. We have a gospel. We have good news. And we have authority. 
authority in a spiritual way in our community. I want to impact and change this community. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to see healing of bodies, healing of relationships, development in our community in a spiritual way. Do you know in, in, in the Bible, in the city of Thessalonica, this is what they said. They were frustrated. You know, uh, Paul and, and the apostles said they came and they were leading people to Christ and they were trying to get the church going there. And all these accusations start coming at them and they say, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. How did the people describe the Christians that came to Thessalonica? Paul, they turned the world upside down. That's how they saw them. And they did. They turned the known world at the time upside down. Can we turn the world upside down? You know, the church started with 500 people. 500 people that have witnessed the resurrection of Christ, depending on the story. That's about twice the people that are here. And they changed the world. They grew by 3,000 at the first gospel message on Pentecost. And they went on to change the world. Why can't we? Why can't we turn our community upside down? Not with noise, angry, protesting, policy change, life change. One heart at a time. One life at a time. We are fishers of men. God, fill our little net. And God, when you find us trustworthy with some, entrust us with more. Help us build a bigger net. Reach more people. Change more lives. Activate more gifts. Activate more leaders. Well, how do I do that, JR? How do I become a part of that net? How do I get in connection? How do I activate who I am in the kingdom? Some of you are fully activated, working so hard. I'm sometimes nervous. I'm like, oh, don't burn out. Please, you're working so hard. There are some people amongst us like that, but by and large, for the most part, we need to get more activated in our gifting and more engaged in the ways we serve. How do we do that? Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to give your life to Christ and relate to him. Do we have a PowerPoint today? You've got to give your life to Christ and relate to him. That's basic foundational number one. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never really surrendered. Because that's what it is. You're, you're, you kind of get to a point in your life where it's like, I'm not making, I'm not, I'm not being God very well. I need God to be God in my life. I'm not very good at being the boss anymore. My ways aren't working. I've got myself to rock bottom. I'm struggling. Or maybe you're doing fine and God's just convicting you. You need to make me the boss. Because I love you. And I want to guide you. I want to be your Lord. I want to give you direction and instruction. Surrender your life to him and begin to relate to him. Salvation certainly is a moment in time, but it leads to a great journey. Maybe you accepted Christ and then never took another step. Keep taking steps. Relate to him. Read about him in his word. Pray. Ask. Seek him. You've got to relate to God. You've got to have a relationship with God. Because out of that, then, you're able to identify your passions and your gifting. What are you passionate about? Just like that question my friend Leon asked me. What drives you, JR? And one of the things is like, I know there's more. I know there's more. There's more people. There's more adventures. There's more activation. There's more gifting. I want to see those things come to the surface and see a fruitful, powerful work in our community. 
But what do we got to do? We got to identify our passions and gifting. You know, you can take tests and things like that. That's all helpful. We do that. I love that kind of thing. Some of you that are close to me maybe are annoyed by the fact that I like that kind of thing so much. And those are very, very helpful. But the best way you can identify what you're passionate about and what your gifting is, is time with God. Time in prayer. Time in the word. And he's going to be revealing to you who you are in his process, in his kingdom. You need to network with believers. Right here. The net. Network. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. That just came to me. And I've been playing with this net in my office all week, and that just came to me. You need to network. It must be the Holy Spirit. We need to network with believers. Go to church. If you don't go to church here and you're from somebody else, someplace else, go to church when you get home. Or if Mount Helen isn't your home and you're just visiting from another church in our community, go to church. Church is not a hobby. It's not, it's not a once or twice a month thing. It is your life. It is a, it's, it's what God is doing on the earth. It's who he is using. It's so much more than just something you attend and kind of go, eh, the message was okay. No, we are a net working together, reaching people, changing lives, building community, living the mission. You can't do that if you're not here. You can't do that if you don't know anybody else in the net, if you don't have those relationships. You can't do that if you're not activated in your gift or whatever you're passionate about or whatever your talents are. Let's get activated. Are you okay that I'm just being a little bit pointed today? I I, I don't don't mean to be mean, but life's short. We don't have a lot of time. Lately, I'm just thinking, I'm I'm in my mid-40s now, and I'm going, what happened? Wow, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be 70. I got some work to do. Get after it. Because someday I'm going to stand before God. And he's, he's, not, going to, he's not going to look at me and go, Jerry, I'm really glad you, were, you, you, you bought that house and you, you know, your, your basketball team made it to the NBA Finals so many times. You know? Come on, let's stop and think about what, what really matters. What really matters in your life? I was reading statistics about children whose parents take them to church on a regular basis. The statistics about how healthy they become and how they go on in their faith are astoundingly higher than most of society. You want, want a parenting plan? Bring your kids to church. God has the answers. Okay, yeah, we're weak. We screw things up. We don't have everything right. Let's do this. Let's be the church. Be who we're called to be. It's, it's about, I want to just touch on this. I'm going to go a little bit late today because we had communion and whatnot. So I'm going to go about five minutes over. So don't start thinking about lunch yet. <laughs> Sorry. In the church world, we often use this word, volunteer. And we have lots of volunteers in here. It takes a lot of people to make this happen. But I would like to, the problem with the word volunteer is it creates a paradigm of um, I might show up, I might not. i just kind of a volunteer. I'm not important. I'm not valuable. That's not true. I, I would love to switch that to like owner. You own this thing. You own, if, if we th- think of it like a business, how many of you go into businesses, you're, nerd, you're a nerd like me, and you go into some of these businesses that have terrible customer service or are obviously dysfunctional, and you start thinking, if I were the boss, if I were the owner, 
There's some places in our community that have such amazing potential that I'm not going to name. But I think if, if someone with some real vision and ownership of the situation came in, it would be an outstanding service to our community. And the church is like that. We need owners, not just employees, not just volunteers. Be an owner. When you come in here on Sunday, think like an owner. Who can I connect with? Who can I help? Who can I serve? How can I relate? How can I bring some kind of transformation into somebody's life? Or just connect in relationship. Think like an owner. We need to network with non-believers. How many of you have non-Christian friends? It's okay. <laughs> no, that's what we, we need. We do not need to adopt all the ways of the world and love worldly things. The scripture is very clear about that. We should have non-believing friends. People that, that we're reaching out to. And not always with this ulterior motive, but to just genuinely relate to genuinely bring a positive voice into other people's lives. We need to be networking with people who are not believers. We need to be fishing. Who knows what doors God might open? What else do we need to do? We want to get activated. We've got to feed ourselves. You've got to feed yourself. You can't just come here and hear a message once a week and think that's a decent diet. You're going to starve to death. You've got to be feeding yourself way beyond just a Sunday morning. How do you do that? You read the Word of God. You pray. You listen to things that are helpful, like educational things. If you feel uninformed, get more education. If you're lacking motivation, motivate yourself. Read the stories of the Bible. Talk to somebody who's encouraged and motivated. Zig Ziglar said this, people often say motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. That preacher's motivational message on Sunday, because I am trying to motivate you today. No secret. <laughs> Come on, we got work to do. There are fish to catch and fry, right? We got to do this every day. We got to remind ourselves every day of the mission, what God's called us to, why we do it, why you are important, why you are loved. Tell yourself the truth. Seek out the truth in the word and remind yourself of what it is. Because we lie to ourselves all the time. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not gifted enough. God doesn't really love me. Well, I'm sorry, your argument is with the word of God. Go there. Let him change your mind. And he will. We need motivation. We need a diet of the word and prayer. Overcome our insecurities and things like that. And lastly, we've got to keep our eyes open. We've got to watch for the opportunities. Because we just get like this in life and we're plowing away at work and it's so busy and so stressful and I got all this and that and everything. I'm not paying attention. I might have a God moment right around the corner. What's a God moment? It's a moment where God wants me to do something and help somebody, intersect someone else's life, be an encouragement, maybe pray for somebody. We got we to gotta overcome some of our personal barriers and get to where, I mean, you, can't, you would be amazed how many people will let you pray for them. Can I pray for you? Yeah, yeah, hey, we read those statistics a couple weeks ago. One of the number one quotes that people had, non-believers, I wish someone would invite me to church. I've wanted to know for 30-some years, and I've never had somebody invite me to church. Are we an inviting culture? Is Mount Helena Community Church inviting people to be a part of our lives, to be a part of what we're doing, to come together? Let's be an inviting culture. We've got to keep our eyes open. People like Jason mentioned, Philip, 
uh, and the Ethiopian today, and the Ethiopian being baptized. In that story, uh, Philip is listening to the, you know, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go here. And he goes there, and there's a chariot, and he runs up next to the chariot, and he hears the guy reading the scripture. Now, he could have done this. Oh, that's great that he's reading the Bible. I'm going to go home now. But he didn't. He saw the opportunity. His eyes were open. He was paying attention to what the Spirit was saying, and he offered himself to instruct that Ethiopian about the Word of God he was reading. He took advantage of the opportunity. His eyes were open. Are our eyes open? I want to wrap up with this. Let's go fishing. Come on. Do you want to go fishing? Not real fishing. Fishers of men. Let's catch some people. Let's see some transformed lives. Let's do something that's eternal. Wow. Let's do something that matters eternally. Not just temporarily. After Jesus resurrected, I'm just going to briefly touch on this story. So he had called these fishermen. Some of them were fishermen to be his disciples. And then after he was resurrected, they were out fishing again. And again, he hollers from the shore. Cast out your nets on the right side of the boat. Actually, I better make sure that's true. I'm not sure that he said on the right. Anyway, cast your nets out in the water. And again, they hauled in such a load of fish, they couldn't even get in the boat. But what's interesting about the story after Jesus resurrected, he says they were amazed because there was 157, or 153. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. Man, that's where I want to be. Full net, right to the edge, just about ready to bust. Maybe we have to do a little mending when it's over. There's so many fish. When we listen to Jesus, when we follow his instruction, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's us. That's you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you that we, you've called us to be fishermen. Catching men, catching women, catching people up in a vision. Catching them into a transformed life. Bringing them into the mission. Making them a part of family. And activating something in them that is so much more than they ever dreamed they could be or do in the world. God, I pray you'd inspire each one, that you provoke, that you'd convict where you need to convict. God, you're calling us to be doers, not spectators in the world. So Father, I pray that you would lead us in doing that. Help us to understand how to build a bigger, bigger net, how to catch fish, how to activate more gifts, how to activate more people, how to bring hope into people's lives. God, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to respond to what I've said this morning, you got the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart going, come on, I want you to do something about this. Then I would encourage you to respond in prayer this morning. Brandon and the prayer team up here would love to pray with you. So come up after the service as we conclude and receive some prayer. That is the end of our service this morning. Hope that you have a great rest of your week and I hope you let God provoke you with this message. Have a great day.